Hi, friends. It's me, Carly Riggs, the host of the Kindness Warrior podcast. Today, I'm so excited. We have co-host Emily Lane and our guest, Polly Bainlin. Enjoy. You're listening to the Kindness Warrior podcast, a Down Syndrome of Louisville production, serving locally, sharing globally. Oh my gosh, look at your face. You're so excited. I know. <laughs> You're so excited. This is my, well, this is my first time. So. I know. I know. I was excited on my first time too. I mean, I'm excited now and it's not my first time, so. Yeah. All right. So today our co-host is Emily, Emily Jordan Lane. And um, Emily is a fabulous, um, a fabulous young lady who lives on her own. How long have you lived on your own, Emily? Since I was, I would say, two years now. I, that's, I think that sounds right. Maybe two years. Yeah. How, how's your apartment? Is it amazing? It's amazing, but it had to clean up in a bit. <laughs> you got to clean up and, in a little bit? Yeah. yeah and you, then sometimes it's like messy. Sometimes it's... My house is probably nice and neat, so. Yeah, you know what? That's what happens when you move out of your parents' house. You it, All of a sudden, you're like, look at all these messes. I didn't realize uh, how many messes happen when, when mom's not cleaning up after me. I know. That happened to me, too. I moved out on my own. I'm like, man, this place is messy. I'm like, oh, gosh, who messed up this kitchen? And it turned <laughs> out it was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Emily will get on our boogie down crew and she'll be folding her laundry. I'm like, hey, multitasking, that's called multitasking tasking when you can dance and do uh, laundry at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, Emily has a job. Yes. Where do you work? I work at Aspen Creek Grill. It's at Oxmoor. Uh, I worked there since I was four Four, well, almost four, four years right now. Wow, that's impressive. And have you been working um, during the pandemic? No, not really. Have you, you've been, you've been going to work a little bit, haven't you, with a mask on? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do What when you're there? I put, cut, like, a glasses, put eyes on it, mm-hmm. and then... And then check the tables to see you have dirty, like dirty glasses. Do like put more uh, uh, refills and help with refills. Yeah. Yeah. So so have you've been you've been working um you know all this past year and you wear a mask at work. I had to wear mask. Yeah. At work. Uh huh. Every because I had to wear a mask like a whole time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, and and you know, really good at washing your hands and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, because restaurant workers are are um, are some of those essential workers because people got to eat, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. your job is very important. So, Emily, I'm going to let you. Emily has prepared some questions for Miss Polly, and yes. um, I was telling Emily before, like you know, Emily's never met you before, and um, so. I was like, what kind of questions would you like to ask someone that you've never, ever met before? So she prepared some questions for you. Are you ready, Emily? 
Yes. All right. All right. So, what is your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food. It's different on different days, but the first one that comes to mind is sushi. Ooh, okay. Do you like sushi, Emily? No, I do not. You do not? <laughs> I do. That's that's one of my favorites, too. <laughs> Reese's Cups are a close second, but sushi. Oh, okay. So, a little better. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is your favorite color? Mm, that depends, too. I apparently might be an indecisive person. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is red. Um, it's probably one of my favorite colors. Um, but I've, I've branched out through the years now and, and kind of a blush color is kind of, kind of fun too. But red's probably my, my number one. Oh, okay. Um, do you have a pet? Me? No, I don't. But in our family, we do have fish. But my older son is trying to champion for a dog. Oh, oh no. She said, oh, no. Oh, no. That, that's my response. <laughs> <laughs> so your family, do they? when you say fish, like, is there an aquarium? There is. There's an aquarium, and there are a bunch of different kinds of, of fish. And uh, it's it's kind of fun to get to watch a little bit. I don't have to take it out for walks. I don't yeah. have to, you know, do all those extra things. But my, my eight-year-old, takes he takes care of them pretty well. Um. My husband is really into like saltwater, like coral. Um, he's never had one since we've been together, but pretty much every night he says, look at this, where he's looking them up. And he's like, look at this. This is so beautiful. Um, it's a very, very expensive hobby. So I'm like, maybe someday we'll have one, but he, he, maybe he will l- listen to this and hear me naysay. <laughs> We'll, we'll have to see if he listens. Yeah. <laughs> we have to rewrite. We're getting one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh. Okay, Emily. So, what is your favorite movie? Ooh. My favorite movie. Oh my goodness. I, I don't I don't know if I have a favorite. Um one way that I like to think of it is like I have I have certain movies that I watch in different moods. Probably my all-time favorite movie is Amelie. Have you ever seen Amelie? No. It's a French film, which is kind of random that it's my favorite, but it's it's very colorful and very beautiful and it's like very it's like um whimsical. But then like if I'm sick, I watch You've Got Mail. <laughs> oh. And if I, you know, like if I'm in a certain mood or if I, you know, if I'm sad, I watch a certain movie, so it made me think of different times. So I've watched a lot of kids' movies these days. Oh, okay. yeah. Disney and all different things. Mm-hmm. Um, my go-to always in Disney is Big Hero 6. I love Big Hero 6. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like Soul that just came out. I thought that was pretty, pretty very, touchy. Yes, very beautiful. Very beautiful. I think people were disappointed um, because they thought it was going to be more about music. And then it's like it was like a gut punch that it was not about music, but um, I did I I I loved it, and the music that was and it was gorgeous. <laughs> um, all right, Emily, do you still have you have a couple more? Well, two more. Sorry, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, well, do you what? Interesting question. Um, given that we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, so 
I went to school and I'm a pediatric dentist, um, but I'm not practicing right now because of the pandemic. Um, so truly my job right now is um, being Maxwell. So my younger son with Down syndrome being his um, home health care worker. Yeah. So do you have your own practice? I don't. Um, I have a little bit longer of a story, um, but I have spent my whole career in access to care, um, but helped to support um, across the U.S. focus on access to care. So a lot of kiddos utilizing Medicaid benefits for um, care and then transitioned out of that and more recently was working in the schools. So a lot in, here in Jefferson County, um, but in Kentucky in the, the schools where kids um, either didn't have a dentist um, or struggling to find a dentist and, and providing care for those kiddos. And so as we kind of get through the pandemic, we'll see where um, my future. Wow, that's that's really cool. That's very cool. Good question, Emily. I know. But my, being a home health care for my little kiddo has been a lot of fun and shows me that much more respect, reminds me that much more respect for um, everyone who who helps our, our kiddos. Yeah, okay. like during his school day and things like that. Absolutely. All right, Emily, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, where where do you like to go for vacation? I love sun. I love sun. I love anywhere where it's really, really, really warm. And I would say the beach, but I've realized as I've gotten older, I like the look of a beach, but I like a swimming pool. I, I really like I, I wanted to like think I was a beach person, but I've come to terms. I like to be in a pool and not have to deal with sand and enjoy the warm, warm, warm sun. Yes. Emily, isn't that wild? We were just talking about this. Yes. I Emily know. said she doesn't like the ocean. We were just talking about it before Polly logged on. And why do you not like the ocean, Emily? Like sharks, like uh, you. I I don't call it, but it's like you like the a shark has when you see its fin. Yeah, is that what you're thinking of? Yeah, Yeah, like you don't know what's in there. She's like, you don't know what's in there, and she's like, the sand is fun, but it's messy. Emily, one of my lifelong dreams was to learn how to surf, and um, I went to an AAPD, which is American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry. Every year we go to an annual meeting when it's not during a pandemic, um, but they had it in Hawaii. So one of the times when I was in Hawaii, I went with a really close friend of mine and I, I was able to go and learn to surf in Hanalei Bay in Kauai. And it was amazing, but I did have those moments of, oh my gosh, what if a shark gets me? I was thankful I had a really big long board to be on. Um, but other than that, I think I'm, I think I'm okay. Not the same, same idea, like shark, you never know when it's going to be around. I mean, yeah, that's it's really interesting that that was one of your dreams and that you did it. But now you're kind of like, OK, I'm good. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> I'm never going to be a professional surfer, so I'm OK. Yeah, but I would get out and do that again there, <laughs> like with a little bitty weight. Like it was it was fun. It was it was kind of achieving a goal that I never knew I'd be able to do for sure. Yes. Then, but as in that, I'm, I'm kind of really good. Neat. Yeah, that's neat. All right. Um, do you have any more questions? Okay, well, then how about you and I get to know Polly a little bit better? Does that sound good? Yeah, Yeah, sounds good. Okay. I'm so glad you're here today, Polly. We don't know each other very well. (laughs) 
I like see you at, at, you know, different Down Syndrome events and, you know, obviously social media, but I've I've always been like, I really want to get to know her and like, why not record it? (laughs) (laughs) You know, might as well, we might as well record it. Um, You know, you always just seem like a ray of sunshine in the Down Syndrome community and, and, and just in general. And um, I just wanted to get to know you better and, and hear about your family. And so I was, you know, I, I had to do my my research and that included, you know, stalking you. And I saw that we went to the same high school. So I was just so surprised to see that. I was like, oh my gosh, she's from New Albany. Um, so and your husband is Chris, right? Christopher? Christopher, yes. Um, and how did you guys meet? How did we meet? We met, like the real story, we yeah. met in a bar. We met at Brendan's in um St. Matthews. Okay. Um, both of us not having planned to go out that night. I think he was out after a trendy St. X game. Mm-hmm. He would probably say St. X trendy game. Sorry. <laughs> Again, New Albany, it's yeah. not the same. Yeah. Um, randomly, we both were out. And we had apparently a lot of friends in common, but we had never met before and and met and kind of um, went on from there. And how long have you guys been together? Um, this year in July, it will be um, 10 years we'll have been married. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And then your oldest, Blake, is how old? He's eight. He's eight. And then Maxwell is? Six. Maxwell is six. Okay. So we talked a little bit about your, um, that your job as a, you know, as a dentist, as a a pediatric dentist. I don't, do people know that, like, do people in the Down syndrome community know that you're a dentist? Because I feel like you would be fielding questions constantly. (laughs) No. And so this has been part of my struggle. So access to care um, kind of from growing up and watch one of my best friend's moms struggled um, with healthcare and getting having access to healthcare, which I think was pretty profound in my life and wanting to help with that in, in a way that I could, which ended up being in the dental world, um, which meant I was with this large company and I traveled and it was a lot of general dentists. I was helping to make sure that they were comfortable with the little kids. Um, but so early on when I was here and people initially started to ask, I never knew if I was going to be in town or not. I never knew exactly when I was going to be in the chair. When can I see you? Hey, just make like, um, so I've never really been able to say, Hey, come see me. Like I'm right here. So I don't necessarily. Like, yeah. Megaphone that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But when people like have a question, sometimes I'll throw in from my perspective as a pediatrician. Right. Like, this sure. Is- sure. Yeah. yeah. So I, I kind of. That's also when I talk about a bucket list or like a dream list of things I want to do, that has factored into maybe my future, maybe. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, and and you probably have like a little a little list somewhere of like recommendations of people that you would send people to or whatever if they if they were to ask. Um I know that we keep we keep those lists, you know, parents ask a lot, who do you recommend and who do you not recommend? <laughs> That's even more okay. important. <laughs> So I've had to ask some of those questions with some thing and things and Maxwell's had many interesting um, opportunities to go to different doctors, but you end up asking that, like, who do you recommend? And in parentheses, please tell me who you wouldn't like, mm-hmm. I need to, I right. need to hear that. I don't like, want to waste my time. Say, yeah. Negative about anyone else, but I'd rather know if you've had an experience that you would rather not go through because we are all, you know, short on time and. Absolutely. Would not want to. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Well, one of the reasons that that I really wanted to talk to you and and record it is because I do think you have a very interesting perspective. Because Maxwell, 
um, who is your son who has Down syndrome, also has some other diagnoses. And I've gotten some feedback from other parents, like, you know, meeting people over the years, that sometimes they say that when their child has a dual diagnosis, that they're like, they feel like they don't fit in the bubble and, you know, in any bubble, really. And I wanted to kind of hash that out and like, maybe, maybe think about ways that we can pop that bubble. <laughs> um, so yeah, tell me about, you know, tell me about Maxwell and, and the diagnosis and, and all of that. Let's, let's dive in there. Right there. Um, so he, he was born obviously with Down syndrome. Um, and that's all we knew. We knew um, prenatally I'd had a test done and we knew very likely he would have Down syndrome. Didn't know 100% for sure, but knew likely. And so we found out at birth um, that he <laughs> did have Down syndrome. We also found out that he had um, congenital cataracts. And I knew from my you know, pediatric dental world that there was likely some vision and hearing things that might might go along with the diagnosis, um, did not um, anticipate the, the congenital cataracts congenital cataracts. Um, and then he also failed his newborn um, hearing screening. And fast forward a couple weeks in that that process, and he's considered moderate to severe to profound bilateral mixed sensor neuro hearing loss, aka, which it's interesting because they never really say it to you, your child's deaf. Um, so he, he had hearing aids. Um, I think... We had the hearing aids. <laughs> I went back and looked this up at one point at about six weeks of age. Um, didn't really get anything from that. Um, looking back, it was probably hard to tell given his um, vision impairment, low tone, all the things that we're working through, um, how much his lack of response, you know, and then given his his vision difficulties, um, how much of all of those were interrelated. But he was implanted with cochlear implants um, at about a year of age on one side and about 18 months somewhere in that range, um, on the, the other side. Um, so that provides him access to sound. Um, but we don't know anyone else in the, our community that also, you know, has Down syndrome, but also has cochlear implants. And then his vision impairment, he had his um, cataracts removed at four weeks and six weeks of age. And he went to be implanted at two years of age for a lens in his right eye. And um, there was infection during the surgery. And he ended up with, I can never say the word endophthalitis. I might not be saying that, but infection during the surgery um, and then ended up with a, um, from that infection, ended up with a detached retina from it. So he has no vision in his right eye. Um, his left eye does not have a lens. Um, so he wears glasses. So he's considered in the deaf blind community. Um, but I will tell you, um, He's he's pretty proficient, um, especially if he doesn't want to eat something that you might be helping him have. He can grab that spoon and, you know, launch it. So he, he's accommodated well with the vision that he does have. Um, but he he's kind of in that world of, of lacking some senses and, and figuring out how to utilize his other ones to to help him, him move forward. And so when you when you said, like, where do you fit in? I'll tell you one time at a doctor's office. Um, I had to, you have to write down, obviously, their whole medical history. Um, and I got through everything and I was getting ready to hand it in. And I realized, and this was pretty early on, but I realized the one thing I hadn't put on the piece of paper was that he also had Down syndrome. You might want to this part of it too. But it was, we, we spent so much time in the, 
working through the pieces of vision and working through the pieces of hearing um, and then um, some hard things. But luckily we had, he has really uh, PFO, um, Peyton Freeman of Valley, um, but we haven't had the path of a lot of our friends who've had heart surgeries and mm-hmm. stuff. So he's done really well on that. But it was like really simple other pieces, but all like the hearing and vision had taken up so much of our time. Um, and there was a group in the, the hearing community, Pipsqueaks. And so we were going to those. Um, we didn't really have much in terms of vision um, opportunities to get to know people. Um, but it was kind of like that with all the other doctor's appointments. We went to a few things with Down Syndrome Louisville and um, Jenny Combs was our um, first steps um, provider who has mm-hmm. still continued to be a phenomenal resource. Um, and then with the walk, I mean, the walk is so amazing getting to know people. And then even the Facebook pages, you start to kind of know people, but then you're like, oh my gosh, I know their kid. And you run into them and say, I know you're. <laughs> who goes with, yeah. <laughs> you know, but- <laughs> who goes with who? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. That definitely happens. That happens all the time with me where I'll recognize the child first. And then I'm like, oh, you guys go together. <laughs> you two go together. Um, So I actually have been um, just like everyone else in this pandemic. I've joined TikTok and I spend way too much time on TikTok, but I've been following a lot of dis- different disability advocates and um, I need to look up her name, but there is um, a gal on there who's an, a, a brilliant advocate and she is blind and she, um, I feel like she said she went blind seven years ago. So she was sighted until she was like 17 or something and then she got, and then um, she went blind and I've learned so much from her videos and they're like little bitty short things, you know, but um, one of the things that was really interesting is that her, her fiance made um, a, a little video that tried to show people what she sees. And it was like a little, like, it was like little flashes of light. It was all black, but then it had little flashes of light. And then up in the corner, it said, this is what you would see. And this is what I would see, you know? So I'm curious if, if you've ever been kind of shown what, what Maxwell actually sees, has anyone ever really described that to you? So I've asked that a lot because so early on when he had up until two, he had both lenses removed and, you know, you you take your child home at four weeks and six weeks and they're like, you know, put glasses on. And it's like, okay, he's tiny and <laughs> low tone. So let's talk about glasses. So they, they you know, we go and get glasses and, and bring them home. And finally I had to take them into the doctor's office and be like, this doesn't work. Like these glasses are not like, so we went down the path of contacts. So he wore, my husband and I, neither one of us wear contacts. So uh-huh. we put contacts in on a little bit, which probably in some ways was better because we didn't have preconceived notions of what things might sure. be like. So we just went after it and, and did it. And at the daycare, they were also very helpful at, at helping at times. But so I would, I think it was Dr. Lahaki who asked me one time, like, what can you see when he doesn't have them on? And it's like, no, nothing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we always keep them on. Like I'm like, I need to give him vision. So I, I, I always had these things on. Um, as he had the surgery and, and lost vision in the right eye, like trying to ask and learn and understand, like, what does that mean in this eye without a lens? Because I don't know how we're going to ever touch this eye if I mean, he can't see out of this eye. And, and so they'll put a, um, a, a lens in front of your eye to kind of show. So he, in the eye that doesn't have a lens, um, it's just not clear. So when he wears glasses, you know, things kind of within two feet here are pretty in focus. Um, he started to, um, 
you know, if, if we're playing, you know, a game of putting things in the fishbowl or, or whatever it might be and putting, you know, a toy further across the room, I mean, he'll go get it. So he's, he's having vision further across and you look at, um, I don't know if you've ever had an Andre, I've had a cornea lacerated and stuff. So I've had to wear a patch before and like mm-hmm. just depth perception. I expect that to be more of a struggle for him, but it's interesting to watch. He doesn't have, again, his brain must have accommodated. And, and mm-hmm. one of the eye doctors that we were talking to is, you know, you can see a painting on a wall that's obviously just two dimensional, but it looks 3D. So his brain has been able to somewhat map out how, like, depth for him. I don't know. It's, it's, it's been yeah. interesting. This is just his normal and he's made it function for him. So it's, it's, you add not just the lack of a lens, but then just one eye. And it, it I, I kind of can't yeah. imagine it. Um, yeah. So, um, the, the, this gal that I was telling you about, one of the things that um, she had said was someone asked her what, if she could have her vision back, would she want it back? And she said, obviously, when it first happened, 100%, I would have, she's like, but now that I've, that I have had no vision at all for seven years, I don't think I would be able to go back because she's like, I'm so used to this now. I think it would be very overwhelming you know, I've missed all these years of color and bright. And she's like, and I love my life and blah, blah, you know, like all these things. And she's like, I, I wouldn't, she's like, no, I wouldn't go back. So I thought, I also thought that was really interesting. And that just, I feel like constantly every day I'm learning that how ableist our world is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's terrible. It's awful. And, you know, you, you naturally be like, oh, well, of course she would want to not be blind anymore. You know, like that's how we are, we have been conditioned to think. So anyway, it, it, it just really, it makes you think so, you know, so much about, I could go on and on about, yeah. <laughs> about that kind of thing. But. Mind down a different path of like, what, yes, yeah. what is the perception or what, how does it impact your life? And what, what does that mean? Like what do you get from it and what do you miss from it? But, you know, you can still truly be happy in a different, it's a, it's a different path. It's a different journey, but it can still be amazing yes 100% well it's just like uh, Emily Emily here um Emily do you want to tell Polly about you have you have type 1 diabetes I had I had type 1 diabetes mm-hmm. and I I I have I was six I'm a pump I was uh, six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Emily, you are, Emily is incredibly independent. You, you take care of all of your insulin and everything all on your own, don't you? Yes. And, uh, and then I kill uh, all my stuff. Uh, like somebody, like somebody helped me put like a change my sensor. Like mm-hmm. you can ask somebody like you can, you, Please help me put it on, on my own. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. You know, it, it, that you can ask for help if you need it. Yeah. And yeah. so my birthday is April 7th. So mm-hmm. I'll be, uh, right now I'm 26. And then just coming up this year, I might be turning 27. Yeah. So that so that's a lot of years that, um, that you've been, you know, taking care of yourself and, and, um, but type one diabetes doesn't make you any different than anybody else, does it? I went to Down syndrome of Louisville, where it was 
probably five years old. And I know Corey Wiggs, because she mm-hmm. was my dance teacher. And, and so, uh, and so, like, I'm at Down Syndrome of Louisville. Uh, so I, I've been there a while since I was five. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. So, well, yeah. Emily, you ready to ask Miss Polly some more questions? Yes. Or, or Well, I'm going to ask her some more questions. Oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, you can write some more questions if you want. I'm good. She's like, no. <laughs> okay. Um, so one of the things I, I wanted to, to ask, just so that our listeners can can kind of get a glimpse into the day of a life of a of a dual diagnosis mom, what it take take me through your schedule in in a day. Before the pandemic, um, so getting Maxwell up, and at that point he was in a crib. So I go in his room, and he's usually standing up, bouncing around um, his crib, ready ready to get get out. Um, so get up, get him changed, um, get his clothes on. Um, but with his vision and his his hearing. Um, difficulties kind of working through that every step that we do was an opportunity to see if he's listening learning to listen learning to follow um steps so kind of through the pandemic we've worked a lot on um him getting dressed um as independently as he can and you know but a big thing in in getting dressed in the morning pre-pandemic as we were working you know asking him to give me his left foot or his right foot to get his um, SMO or his braces on and, and getting his shoes on. Um, and then, um, coming downstairs and, um, getting breakfast, uh, ready and, and eating and drinking and working on. So we're, we're six, but we're still working on, um, learning to chew and to eat and to hold his cup himself and, and drink from it. Um, and then he would head off to, um, school. He's, um, and, and spend time there. Um, depending on what day it was, we may or may not go to therapies first. Um, he's still in quite a few, um, therapies and then, um, picking him up after school, um, and then coming home to eat dinner and, and play with his big brother and, you know, just finding what, what he's enjoying and then utilizing that to work on, on another skill and, you know, getting ready for bath time and, and getting ready for, for bed. Um, so pre-pandemic was um, a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of time to find to work on skills that will help him become independent. Um, mm. And a lot of running around. Yeah, a lot of running around. <laughs> but also a lot of people that were on that same um, path with us um, at school helping. So not not being in the pandemic or being in the pandemic, um, not having that same opportunity for him to be at school has been quite a quite a change have you seen a difference in in maxwell like not seeing all these extra people you know let's say at school he's got the support the sport the sport you know um can can you tell like you know has he been kind of bummed out about that or or does he like is he a homebody does he like being home so that so he developmentally is is so much younger he still was at the point of um for a, a big part of it, playing independently, kind of parallel play versus going to other kiddos and play. Um, so through this time, he he will will seek us out to come and play. So he's grown so much through mm-hmm. it. Um, he's been one on one with me. I've given that he's 
you know, at greater risk for um, severe disease with with COVID, um, we've really kept him home um, and done most of our therapy virtual. Um, um, so he's grown so much through it. Um, it's just been a little bit probably more exhausting on my end because I'm the one doing all sure all things. Sure. All You're, you are all the therapists. You are speech therapist, your OT, your vision therapy. Yeah, you, it's you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I will say, uh, because they have been also amazing, I'm just their assistant to try to figure out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've been wonderful at coming up with, you know, creative ideas of what to work on this or, or how to how to do that. Um, but doing that all the time and then trying to be a preschool teacher as well for him. Um, and again, Jenny was, was so great at helping my mind kind of figure out what should we spend our time on and, and kind of what, what path, um, to help him develop the next skills mm-hmm. that, that he needs to develop. Yeah. Well, that's exciting that he seems to be thriving and, and it's like, it sounds like when he gets back to school, then some of, some of these things, like he's going to go to a friend and, and, you know, and play with a friend and, um, that's really exciting. Although I will say my eight-year-old loves, they love to like somewhat tackle each other that we're trying to like remember, like, let's play. So it will be appropriate when he goes to school, but he <laughs> loves all the impact and play and yes. you know, they're over there playing basketball some days and, and who knows what, and, and that by that, I mean, cause we're still working on walking, but he'll throw Blake the ball some which way and Blake tries to catch it some way and make a basket. And so it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun to see them. Yeah. So with all of that in mind and, and, you know, your day is full with therapy and all of that. So what do you do for yourself? What do I do for myself? Um, I love um, art. I, I so enjoy art. So part of what I've taken up during, tried to get better at, I should say, during the pandemic um, is playing <laughs> with a cricket. Um, so Ooh, yeah. my older son, having to wear a mask every day at school, he's lucky to be in person. He loves sports teams. He loves the NBA. So I've been, been able to be creative with, um, creating some, um, things on his, which probably aren't licensed. So maybe I shouldn't even say that, but, <laughs> but creatively, um, put some things on, on his, um, masks, um, decorations, some things around the house, getting to play with that. So any, anything I can do kind of in a creative or art outlet. So at the same time, when I'm working with Maxwell, like something we might work on, something that we can do with art stuff is sure. Like tactile. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I actually like wrote a note here that says, Polly is a ray of sunshine. How do you, <laughs> how do you, um, stay optimistic? Now I know social media is social media. So, you know, no one necessarily shares their bad days, but, but I do think that, that some families might benefit from, you know, your outlook on life and, you know, is it that you meditate? Is it, well, it sounds like you do some art or I don't know, just tell me kind of. So one, like when you ask kind of about self-care, one thing I've done through these past um, couple of years is work out a lot. So I've, I've been in a group. I'm not currently right now in the, the same group, um, but given the pandemic and not being in person, I've not, not gone to do that now, but we are, you know, figure out other ways to work out at, at home. Um, so that's been, been very helpful, but I will tell you a lot of it for me has been, um, perspective. My mom has always been someone who enjoys the littlest things. It might be getting to have a lemonade on a porch. I should say a porch, like we would go eat at Bravo and just being able to sit outside on their little sure, yeah, outside yeah. area and have a lemon, like she enjoys those things. And so it's like, mm-hmm. I think growing up, always seeing, enjoy the little things and mm-hmm. 
it it really became apparent that I needed to be home and and or at least here to to facilitate and support a lot of the pieces. Um, so it's given me the time and the perspective, even to be the parent for Blake that I wanted to be and to enjoy enjoy the little pieces. Um, right. The little moments are. I mean, you know, they say it all the time. The little moments really end up being the big moments in life, and and celebrating what we can do and and what. Um, does happen. There are days where it's like, oh my gosh, if he throws more food on me today. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you, you have those, those times, but you had those times with your other kiddos too. Like there are times yeah. where, um, you know, Blake drives me crazy and where Maxwell drives me crazy. Where my husband of drives course, me crazy. Yeah. I mean, and you, and, and you have to let yourself have those moments too. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something I've, I've certainly learned. I mean, I've been at DSL for almost eight years and like, I feel that way with my job too. I mean, you know, just the little things and the, and, and sometimes I'll even think like, I don't, sometimes I don't have patience for people that don't have Down syndrome (laughs) because it's like, because it's like, I don't know it. I do think that in this community and in the disability community, everyone has a greater joy for the small things and the small victories and the, the milestones and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, it's it's like this um, collective celebration personality trait that we gain from hanging out with with our friends with disabilities. Well, and um, I tell you, when I was at Cosair, um running their their dental clinic back in the the day, a long enough ago, um, I would see families, and I remember thinking like how amazing, and and the siblings were so caring and. The family just had a, a somewhat of a different dynamic. And I, I remember always being in awe and thinking, and then it's like, um, my, our older son, Blake, um, has low tone hypotonia. So we went through first steps with him, which was really a great introduction to all the pieces that we needed to help get in place for Maxwell to be as successful as he can be. Um, so it, it is. It really is the perspective. I mean, and, you know, I think it was it was Dr. Lahaki who had said to me um, in in any family with any child, you, you may grieve something or mourn something. Um, it, it may be a diagnosis. It may be a, a choice in life or a path or something that, that happens. Um, and so that even hearing that perspective was like, oh, as much as you can get caught up in any diagnosis, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have fears no matter what. Sure. And all have fears of sharks, no matter what. But you're gonna, yeah. have, fears of, you're gonna have fears of anything. Um, but then it's it's you know looking at your community, kind of like in anything. And there there are people I think of Tracy Roach, who I met her son Sam at at Mission Barbecue. Um, mm-hmm. And you know someone who's gone through. Do you know Sam well, Emily? Yes, I do. He come <laughs> visit you at your restaurant. I know. Well. Uh... <laughs> Let me tell you about Sam. Yes. Hold on. Hey, Emily, can you let Polly finish her thought and then yeah, you can ahead. tell us about Sam? Yeah. We, that's, we, that'd be great. We have to go back to Sam. Um, <laughs> but meeting meeting people that have gone through the path a little bit ahead of you and, and the things they share in the journey and trying to navigate navigate those pieces. Um, and, and I will, I mean, you know, Maxwell's path has been a little bit different given multiple of the, the diagnoses and trying to figure out what that is. And, and there are situations, particularly education, that, um, you know, the, the path really isn't laid and, and the pieces really aren't in place. And sadly, a lot of that is a fight um, mm-hmm. and very, very frustrating, but but it is a fight. But when you hear the encouragement of the other people or you hear things that other people have gone through and been able to figure out what that path is and, and 
really people like you, Carly, and, and downtown Louisville, who, you know, maybe we don't know the answer, but everybody's so supportive of go for it. Let's, let's try to find it. Yeah. Let's find it out. out. Let's find out. So do you think that, um, Oh, hold on, Emily. I'm sorry. You want to tell us about Sam? Sam's Sam will probably be one of our co-hosts soon. Yeah. Of this podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so Sam was my well, it's like my ex-boyfriend. Yeah, you guys dated a little bit. Yeah, and right now I went to my high school prom. He had to take me to my high school prom. So you guys go way back. Awesome. You've been friends for a long, long time, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. So, the, so yeah, you got really excited when she, so she knows Sam and, and Tracy. Yeah. And I know Tracy wrote to, uh, yeah. uh, cause sometimes. And you, aren't you guys, aren't you and Sam in choir together? Yes. In the Hope Praise Choir? Yes. Cool. That's awesome. Okay. I'm going to ask Polly some more questions. Is that okay? Go ahead. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so as far as you, so you were just talking about education. Um, do you think that Maxwell will go through the school for the blind or do you think like, are you, has he gone to the visually impaired preschool? He did go to Vips. Uh huh. Um, we are no longer there. Um, Mm -hmm. um, so that he was there through JCPS, um, through their partnership. Um, and so we went through the IEP process. And he was placed at Vips. Um, in our last IEP meeting, um, his birthday is in July. Um, and so he, he would have turned five. So they were saying he should be in kindergarten. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, given, and you're like, no, I'm not ready for kindergarten yet. And so given his visual impairment and his hearing impairment, not even just his Down syndrome diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, it was so clear and apparent and even on VIP's page, homepage at, at that time, um, talked about they had a five-year-old program for kiddos that given just their vision, um, mm. impairment would benefit, could benefit, um, from an additional year focused on all of those skills, and which is one of the reasons we decided to go there initially for preschool. So that wasn't offered his year because he would have been the only student. So that, that whole environment was, was, shocking to me mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that the you know you hear IEP individualized education plan you think it's going to be an individualized education plan so while we were there and and the push was he should go to kindergarten so I asked to see it in writing where does that state in writing that he has to go on so um their education director reached out to the KDE so the Kentucky Department of Education and the person that emailed back said they don't have to remain, they don't have to go on to kindergarten. They could remain in preschool. Um, and then it kind of got into where the funds would come from. So it kind of goes back to money versus education and what is most important for this child to succeed. So I, I was, so we, we went through the whole, whole process. Um, and we sat in a room and talked about social studies with a kiddo who's, um, still working on communicating still at that mm. time we you know we tried to um, work with them to um have a ac device um and in private therapy at the kids center we were able to have some successes with that i went out and did some intensive therapy out in california at napa therapy um a three-week session 
um, of intensive therapy. And they were able to use a different communication device with him with some success that he was starting to make some choices on it, um, but could never get JCPS really to jump in. So it, it was um, shocking. You know, you, you then sit and, and look at the, the laws and you look at what an IEP is supposed to be. You look at um, IDEA, you look at all these pieces and, Unfortunately for us, we saw how lacking it is. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's surprising because, you know, then at the same time, you have another kiddo in school and, and you don't have to fight for education. Like mm-hmm. what would be, what would make the most sense? So I, I remember just sitting in the room thinking either the people in this room are incredibly incapable or they don't care. Yeah, it's, it's. It's sad. It's sad. It's sad that you have to fight, unfortunately, and, and hopefully it will continue to get better. It will get better because of parents like you that are fighting and for and for parents that have paved the way. And I've even spoken to uh, parent. I mean, Mark Hubler's parents were our, our very first episode and Mark is, you know, in his 50s. And, you know, you think about the 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 staircase that they built and, you know, but it's still such a climb and gosh, my husband and I talk about it constantly. Like even just, you know, calling the cell phone company because they charged you an extra $10, they give you such a runaround because they think you're going to give up. And I feel like it's the same way with an IEP or an education plan. (laughs) They just, parents are just like, whatever. Like after a while they want, they just know that you're going to give up. And so when someone comes in that is not going to, they're like, oh no. It's, it's talking to them. Like the KDE comes back and says, no, in fact, there's nothing written that he has to go on to kindergarten. And yet in that meeting, our art chair says that's for like communities or um, rural areas where they can't support. And it's like, no, the question was specifically written about me and my child. And matter of fact, he references in his answer. I still never saw the initial questions, but references something that the mom's anxious. It's like, um, no, I'm not. Thanks. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm looking out in the best interest of my child developmentally, what should he continue to work on to learn to communicate versus sitting him in a chair in a classroom, not being able to explore. And at that time he's, you know, working on exploring. And right in that time of that meeting was the first time he had like brought a ball over me to me to play. So he was starting, like, why would you then mm-hmm. put that child in a chair and say that we're going to work, we're going to be in social space? I mean, it just, the absurdity was, was so striking. And I heard, in that meeting and then from someone else in the JCPS office, I can't think of the title of the, the building, but the response to everybody is, oh, people that want their child to do another year of preschool, just go to private. And it's like, but, but it shouldn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. So why are we not setting up an environment? And, and all it could ever come down to from everyone that I heard from was the money the funds, the funds that the school gets on the years at the the later end of the years, the additional three or four years that a kid can go to school versus the years in preschool. And it's like, are we looking out for that? Or are we looking out to help kids meet their potential, whatever that may be? So, right. so where right. we go from now, I, I kind of back to your initial question, what, what's he going to do? I don't know. And I am trying to figure out where the places 
like when we were out in California um, in intensive therapy and the progress he made then and, and what he could work on throughout his day to help him progress to meet his potential. Um, an environment like that would be amazing. So if I hit Mega Million, I heard no one wants it last night. So if I hit Mega Million or Powerball, know that that's what I will be like creating or partnering mm-hmm. with places that have pieces of it so that kids can go and, and, and focus on that and, and develop those skills to see, see where they can get to. I can, I can tell just by meeting you and seeing you and everything that you've probably always kind of been a magnet to individuals that, that might, you know, uh, be considered an outcast in the world. And then, so it's, yeah, yeah, you're not, I mean, <laughs> just that perspective and, and getting to meet and learn and see and realizing, yeah, we're all, all meant to be, but all those like experiences. And I remember even I, I went to school up at, at Michigan, um, University of Michigan. And, you know, there was a kiddo there that had a cochlear implant. And then of course, and, and at that time, I really wanted to learn sign language. And I've always wanted mm-hmm. to, I, I had a family that I met, um, that I helped care for in Evansville and, and the mom was deaf. And it's like, we spent all this time writing things back and forth to understand the medical history of the, the son. And it's like, I really wanted to know sign language. And so with Maxwell, you know, he's at this point nonverbal, but he he's having sounds and <laughs> he's making more and more sounds. So we're hopeful. We we think he kind of said his first word of up with up, up, up as we yeah. go up in the Riften chair. But learning sign language through him. But I'm on the level about a two-year-old, which again, <laughs> to show people that you care enough that you can give a little of bit um, to them. So hopefully through, through time, I will become a fluent um, signer. Yes. Well, we have um, a staff member who uh, you might have noticed, but we've been doing sign language classes for DSL on Zoom every other Wednesday. And um, so you're welcome to join any of those. Um, I've learned so much from her because she's she's taking sign language at UofL right now. So she and it's a fully immersive program. So like you're you're dropped in. (laughs) And and so she's learned a ton. And um, and so, yeah, I've been learning a lot from her as well. So what what advice would you have for other parents who might end up with a dual diagnosis and and feel like they don't quite fit in I think feel it you know if if that's where you're at and that's what you're feeling to feel it um and then find those people I mean there are always those people and you know it may take a while to find them but it's like okay who in this group do you kind of get and connect with and who in that group do you kind of get and connect with and and find those people here and there? Because I do think people are a lot more open and do want to connect with you. But I think sometimes it's in that moment, like where you may feel like you don't exactly fit in. Um, everybody's just consumed in, in what they're doing. So in that moment, right. that maybe you didn't connect with that person. You know, I think about it sometimes when I'm at, um, you know, well, that pre-pandemic, but when we were like, you know, in, in environments where everybody's all together. And usually at that time, like I'm helping Maxwell, you know, be able to be in that environment. So I can't always listen and hear. And I'm like kind of down on the floor playing whatever, but it, mm-hmm. those people will make that connection with you. And right. if, even if you didn't make it the first time of trying the next time, and sometimes it's on um, social media. So as much as, you know, I try to stay present with my kiddos in, in that and you know, environment when they're up, but sometimes being on there and seeing sometimes in those groups, you might have this whatever connection with, with someone else. Um, and, and, or it, sometimes it feels good. I think to, 
even help someone who asks a question like, oh, I, I actually have insight on this or you know, I noticed that you donated some of Maxwell's shoes to a family who needed who needed some shoes. You know what I mean? Like even those little things is like that that makes you feel that connection. Um, do you think that it happens because we have a longing to find someone who has the exact same experience as us? Do you think that's what one of the reasons? I, I think it's definitely because I know I searched out because I know we do have a member. So our listening spoken language therapist um, has been, well, we don't still see her right now, but um, has been phenomenal through our, our journey. But she let us know like there was a there's a family in 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 our community where one kiddo has Down syndrome and the other kiddo has cochlear implants. So we we got to talk a little bit. We've never really been able to connect. And it's kind of the way life is. And, and remembering some of those connections don't happen just like you know, family and friends that you've had for a long time, like it's hard to keep up with every single person. Um, but I do think some of it is wanting to know, you know, just their sphere and what the future is, but that's the sure. same as it is with, you know, anybody like there's, mm-hmm. you know, the unknown is the unknown, um, but wanting to know like what it's going to be like or, or what suggestions. Um, I think there's a piece of that of not feeling um, fitting in, but some of it too, I think is, whatever the other diagnosis or diagnoses may be, you spend time in that. So you don't always have all the Saturdays to be, you know, at the, you know, the toddler group or the um, sure. little group. So you don't, you're not always in every environment. So then, then sometimes when you walk in new and other people are already kind of friended up, you're kind of like, I kind of feel whatever. But I will yes. tell you one of the best things that I did. And it goes back to when you said about self-care, well, two, two really great things. Um, one, Mary Beth Norton had a, um, you know, open to anyone, whatever, like who wants to come paint it, this thing. And, you know, I, I knew Mary Beth, but I, I kind of knew some of the other people, but not really. But sitting in that room when we were doing a painting thing, like there was just a commonality and it was just calm and fun. And you didn't feel like you're the special needs parent in the room um, or you're like right. representing whatever, but it was just fun. It was like, okay, that was kind of awesome. And then DSL did a, a night um, of self-care where a bunch of us came in and you went in different groups and like, so remembering to put yourself first sometimes mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. go and be in these environments because you end up meeting who knows, and you end up talking about this, that, or the other, and you know, sure. sometimes it does come back to our kiddos or whatever, but just being able to, be that person again can really be yeah invigorating. Yeah, I I visited one of the moms nights um that happened on Zoom. There was definitely a lot of talk of like what TV shows I don't want to talk about my kid right now. Like what TV shows should I watch? Should we do a book club? Like let's talk about something else, you know. So I think I do think that that's super important and you you can get like completely in that, you know, and I even do that sometimes like, you know, where, because I do feel like I've been adopted by this community. And so like, it's just a constant, it's always on my mind things, you know, access and what, you know, like whatever it is, it's always on my mind. So every once in a while, and sometimes I have to like force it. Like yesterday I was, um, doing some research on a podcast that we have coming up. Um, and it's dark and it's deep and it's dark and it, and it's something that's very important, but like, I, it was like really heavy on my heart. And I was like, okay, I've looked at this long enough. I went over to my puzzle and I put on a book in my headphones and was like, you cannot think about this anymore. You're not allowed to. And so it's like, you almost have to like, sometimes it's a, it's almost a force thing. Yeah. Um, like force meditation almost. That's definitely, um, good advice for our 
some of our moms who might be like in it right now is to just sometimes you have to like pick yourself up out of it. (laughs) And yeah. And and spend some time on you and it's okay. Like your kiddo is still going to be okay. Um, And probably better for it, for you doing those things for, for yourself. But also, I mean, I think our community is so welcoming. You, you know, you will find people um, that you do click with. And, and again, I think everybody's open to, you know, meeting more people and, and hearing more stories. Um, I just, I wouldn't give up. Like you'll find those, those people. Yeah. Um, and yeah. no one, I think the other thing to remember is even if you, you know, have multiple diagnoses, um, no one else's path is exactly the same either. Even though there is that like wanton, like, mm-hmm. let me hear someone else that has the exact same, you know, anybody else in that room, you know, no one's path is exactly the same. So right. Right. One thing I've always kind of like latched onto is, you know, our our big long mission at DSL, like, you know, we've got our little mission, support, educate, advocate, but like our big one is to to support individuals with Down syndrome at their own level of independence, whatever that means. And and it's also easy to you know, you you might look at the general population and and be like, my child is not hitting those milestones. But then it even happens in in the Down syndrome community or the the intellectual disability community, even like where the, you're looking at those milestones, and then you're like, oh, my kid's not getting those either. And so then it, it's like you just have to just your child is your child, and they're exactly not- like just letting go. And, and there's even that actually in the the hearing or in the hearing loss or hearing impairment community, like where, you know, you see all those videos with, you know, cochlear implants or hearing aids and this kid like suddenly, which is very uncommon apparently. Um, Mm -hmm. And you still, you have to learn to listen. Like you learn to listen and then you start to learn, like to like notice where it might. So there are all these steps and years and years of, of work that go into really hopefully being able to utilize access to sound, but that can be hard. Um, but I think that's where you go back to, you know, love your kiddo, surround yourself in the people that help bring joy. I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to that simple, like yeah. enjoy the moments and and celebrate those pieces and have yeah, fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Polly, you are a delight. I knew that this conversation, like I, I have so much more to talk to you about, but we don't have to have it on a recording. <laughs> <laughs> we could just like maybe hang out sometime. But Emily, um, I know that Emily wanted to ask you, would you like to ask Polly about what she thinks a kindness warrior is? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So, kindness warrior, my friend, loves beyond kindness warrior stuff, and it's named Ella. Her name is Ella. Hang on, it's called Ella, Ella Isabella. She mm-hmm. talks about kindness warrior. Yeah, so Kindness Warrior, let me give you a little background. So Kindness Warrior kind of came up, it was like a weird thing. I'm like obsessed with kindness and I'm always trying to remind myself to be kind. And so I named my walk team the Kindness Warriors one year and then people liked the shirts and then the shirts and then it kind of became a movement. And that's how we got this podcast as Kindness Warrior. We have the Kindness Warrior Club. We got all kinds of Kindness Warrior stuff. So what do you think a Kindness Warrior is? It can mean anything that you that you want what what does it mean to you what does it mean to be a kindness warrior because you you like you good at kindness you went uh 
respect to other people. Respect other people. I love that. And then yes. sometimes, like, you can don't be a, like, you talk to a strangers, something like that. Don't talk to them. Uh, lock the doors or... Yeah, so being kind, that's a way to be kind to yourself is to be super safe. Absolutely. And then sometimes it's, I did that too all the time. And I love that. And so I was, was a kind of warrior because I love to talk about it. So Yeah, yeah, you are a kindness warrior. Okay, so now I'm going to let you ask Miss Polly what she thinks a kindness warrior is. Well, that thing is kind of kind of. Well, I can say it. I think I need help. Okay. So, so Polly, what's, what's your personal definition of what a kindness warrior would be? Well, I love the shirts and I wear them all the time. <laughs> I love them. Yay! I, and I, I, I think about it often, um, but I think a kindness warrior is someone who includes others. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, well, I really appreciate you joining us today. Emily, you, you're a rock star. Yeah. Of course. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, we, maybe sometime you and Polly can get together and talk about how you don't like the ocean. Okay. <laughs> I won't, I won't be in that conversation. I like the ocean. Okay. Um, but I will tell you, Emily, you're going to inspire me to, um, boogie while I, um, fold laundry. I have laundry to fold today, so I'm making it too. While I, and I'm going to have Maxwell, Maxwell likes to like try to stand up with me. So we'll dance a little in honor of you all while we're holding laundry today. Perfect plan. Perfect. Take care. You guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Have fun dancing. Bye-bye. Thanks. The Kindness Warrior podcast is generously sponsored by the Snowy Owl Foundation and is a Down Syndrome of Louisville production. To learn more about Down Syndrome of Louisville, visit our website, downsyndromeoflouisville.org. If you have questions or ideas, you can email us at kindnesswarriorpod at dsoflou.org. That's kindnesswarriorpod at dsoflou.org. The music for this episode was written and performed by Alex Stotts and Owen Eiler. The Kindness Warrior podcast is produced and hosted by Carly Riggs and produced and edited by me, Brooke Aston Harper. Thank you so much for spending time with us today.